Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live in Nashville and across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Dan Dockich from Don't At Me with Dan Dockich across the Outkick Network. He'll be with us in 20 minutes. Plus, John McClain. We'll talk NFL headlines, coaching movement, playoff previews, and more. From Gallery Sports, he joins us in a little over an hour. Chad, good afternoon, and congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs for winning the first quarter, and that's all that mattered last night. Let's all bow our heads <laughs> in a moment of silence because the rest of college football feels dead right now to me. I, I, I think that Georgia winning back-to-back, and when you take a sneak peek at their 2023 schedule – yeah. They are going to be favored by 14-plus, maybe 17-plus in every Sets game. Up. And they're practically returning everyone but their quarterback. It is unreal what Kirby Smart has done with that program. Starting from the opening interview where he says, what's your team's mindset? He had one word, aggression. And that's exactly what they put forth against TCU. Incredible performance, hands down, no doubt about it. They left absolutely no doubt. They're the best team in college football as the confetti fell on their heads last night in Los Angeles. And I never thought I'd say this, but from a perception standpoint, I don't think it's even much debating it. TCU would have been better off losing a shootout close loss to Michigan than going forth and losing 65-7. to Hutton, that's not just the worst championship game defeat in history. It's the worst bowl game defeat in history. You got America in. You drew them in. The Cinderella story. To watch the Horn Frogs. America was in your corner and you lost 65 to 7. They lost the way Elon would to Georgia in yeah. early September. That's what that game looked like last night. That was pathetic of TCU. And look, I, it's a great season. They're probably a 7 and 5 team talent wise. That lucked their way into some wins, but it was a lot of dogged persistence with TCU all, all year to get things done their way. This is not a knock on their program or their incredible season, but last night they looked like some directional school trying to play Georgia. They were able to answer throughout the season, and they did. They made it 10-7 to get a touchdown, and you're like, okay, can they get another stop, right? Can they just slow down this Georgia offense? The answer is no. And you know, Jalen Carter, who's going to end up being a top-five pick, the sacks last night came from freshmen and sophomores for Georgia. Complete and total domination. And here's the other interesting note in, in regards to what TCU did not accomplish last night, what Georgia accomplished in this blowout. Alabama's six combined losses over the last four seasons have been by a combined 30 points. And last night, we saw that epic beatdown by Georgia winning by 58. 58 over TCU in the national championship game. And Georgia starts by destroying Oregon. And they end by destroying TCU from start to finish. 
fantastic season by the Georgia Bulldogs back to back and look at the sheer dominance on the stat sheet three turnovers by TCU but though I mean they, Georgia didn't even need those 589 total yards 254 rushing 335 passing and then compare that to TCU 188 total yards in this football game for the national title number one versus number two and somehow TCU remains number two in the AP poll today Georgia was terrific, but, I mean, let's be totally honest. What was TCU's defensive game plan? That was as easy of a performance. There was no it, resistance. It wasn't covering Brock Bowers. Uh, well, I mean, anyone. just a, you know, a handoff to Milton would be 12 well, yards. But and mean, then 17 yards to Brock Bowers. Then Lad McConkey is magically wide open with no defensive back within 10 yards of yeah. him. Just time and time again, Georgia did whatever they wanted with no resistance from TCU. And Quentin Johnston, potential top 15 pick if he runs well, um, headed to the NFL draft. One catch, three yards last night against the Georgia defense. The speed was so apparent. And we, we see that week in and week out, right? The SEC upper echelon speed. But the speed of the football, sideline to sideline, TCU had no chance Getting the football, like quick throws, doesn't matter. Trying to get guys in open space, doesn't matter. Those holes close fast against the Georgia defense. And how do you feel if you're Michigan today? Knowing that you just got bounced by TCU that was destroyed by the team that crushed you a year ago. Well, how do you feel if you're Ohio State? Sure. Uh, Ohio, I mean, they're a Ohio Marvin State Harrison and Alabama Jr. should feel great, honestly. Marvin Harrison Jr. They're in the conversation. Injury away in Tennessee. I mean, yeah. Tennessee lost 27 to 14. They, they for large parts of the game, did pretty well defensively against that Georgia offense in that game. The offense was well, shut down. It's the they're def- great offense. It's the defense that's coming back, though, that would I, be trouble. I, I hate when, you know, other SEC fans now want to take this and say, well, this is a this is a win for my school too because I'm in the no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's a win for Georgia. I've always been against that mindset. I am not an SEC, SEC, SEC guy. I'm never chanting that. A win for Georgia is bad for my Tennessee Vols in this game. It's bad for Alabama. It's bad for every other team in the conference. I will forever argue that. But when I watched that beatdown last night, I can't help but immediately think, hindsight being 2020, I look back on this season. And my top four teams, based on what I've seen, and a lot of this is a large bias as to teams that played Georgia and how they fared. Ohio State's number two. Obviously, Georgia's number one. Ohio State's two, based on talent and what I saw. I think Tennessee's third. Alabama's fourth. Alabama, keep in mind, transitive property doesn't mean a hill of beans most of the time. But TCU had just lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. Then Alabama dismantled them in a game that meant a ton in the Sugar Bowl to Kansas State. So three of the four best teams in in college football, in in my opinion. What's my criteria? Watched a hell of a lot of football this year, and these are the teams I saw and what I witnessed. I think this year it's Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Tennessee 3, Alabama 4, and once again, what's the storyline? Georgia's separating from everyone else. And oh, by the way, Georgia's in the SEC. And oh, by the way, two of the other best teams in college football this year are also in the SEC. Well, let's, so, uh, Tyler, can we put the stats back up? Because there is a glaring omission to your list, and it's a good one. Add LSU to this because of the numbers in the SEC title game. LSU passed for 500 yards against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Now, 
score was separated, but it wasn't 188 total yards against the Georgia defense. And that LSU offense is only getting better because this was the year, you and I both agree on this, if you're going to get LSU, this was the year to do it. I would include the Tigers in that list. But again, another yeah, SEC school. By, by the end of the year, yeah. I mean, I think the way they improved. Well, and next year with what they have returning and the fact that you have the the great coaching staff there that's going to get the most out of that roster. So speaking of next year, mm-hmm. everyone just get ready to throw your finger down your throat and vomit if you're a fan of any other college football team. This is Georgia's – now, granted, SEC schedule – but this is as light of an SEC schedule as you could possibly yes. have. Georgia in 2023. UT Martin, Skyhawks, probably going to win that one. Ball State, South Carolina, UAB. It is not until September 30th that Georgia will leave Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. They'll play at Auburn in year one under Hugh Freeze. Then they go back home to play Kentucky. They go to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Then they get the bye and play Florida in the cocktail party. Then they get Missouri and Ole Miss at home. They go to Knoxville. To me, that's the one you circle and say, yes. if both teams are relatively healthy at the end of the year, maybe Tennessee's offense gives them a, a swinger's chance to, to land a haymaker and upset them. That's November 18th. They close the season at Georgia Tech. They're going to be big-time favorites in every game. So... For those that thought Georgia is going to send 15 people to the NFL draft and the, one of the greatest defenses in the history of the game is going to be dismantled and they're going to take a step back, they were preseason number three in the country. And from start to finish, starting with that Oregon game, they were hands down the best team in America. And now they've won two in a row. And I look at the schedule next year. They better be number one preseason next year going into it. They're I, about- they're about I to think put 15 they are, more in the draft next year. They are 3-1 to one right now to win three straight national championships. We are witnessing a new dynasty in college football before our very eyes. And when David Pollock of ESPN sits right next to Nick Saban and says, I'm sorry, but Georgia has kind of taken over college football, and Nick Saban drops his head just for a split second, it's because he knows that David Pollock is preaching the truth. Well, also, keep in mind, that schedule that Chad just read off included Oklahoma. It did include Oklahoma, but the SEC asked them to drop that game because Oklahoma's about to come in and there's like a home-and-home money tie-up there because the next home-and-home, the next return-home game for Georgia at Oklahoma would have been after the Sooners joined the conference. So there's not a pay game there. So I don't know who they replaced them with, probably Ball State or someone, right? Yeah, I'm guessing it's the Ball State edition. So they also have Samford in there. Could yeah, it could be Samford. Yeah, could have been any of those. Let's yeah. be honest. Uh, UT Martin. <laughs> I mean, no, sorry, UA, UAB. Let, let me not. Let's not disrespect okay. UAB and Coach Trent Dilfer. Now it's UAB, not Samford. It's a, it's a different Birmingham school that they added. And I love the quote from Kirby uh, Smart. He was asked today, the day after presser, about like this schedule and next year in the three peat, and he said we're going to have to reinvent ourselves offensively like there are some things we're going to have to do because if we stay put if we are um you know in neutral in what we're doing and we're comfortable that's going to get us a couple losses like he's already tuned in to what they have to adjust those things I mean maybe he's pointing to whatever happened against Missouri and how they came out slow and sluggish but they always answer and then you know the other question that is a is an unknown is after Stetson Bennett, then what? Um, and I know that's crazy. 
to bring this up. And they'll have, you know, four or five stars coming to the door like like they have at every other position. But the thing about Bennett was there was just something that just clicked after the SEC title game last year. And through the four college football playoff games, the Georgia offense under Bennett, absolutely staggering. 15 and 16 yards per completion, 15.9. 10.8 yards per attempt in the four games combined. He threw 12 touchdown passes, just one interception. He averaged a touchdown for every 10 pass attempts in these games. Over 1,200 passing yards, 310 yards per game in the college football playoff. Huge yards running the football, too. And that came into uh, to play against Tennessee in a big moment game this year against LSU. We saw it, of course, last night, too. And, you know, two rushing touchdowns for him. But when you look at his 4-0 record in the college football playoff, Consider Deshaun Watson started four games. He lost one national championship game. Trevor Lawrence started five. He lost twice in the college football playoff. Justin Fields started three, lost one. Tua started two. He, of course, appeared in the third and won that title for Bamba, but he lost one start in the title game the next year. Mac Jones started two, won both. I mean, what we've seen in the dominance there, that's hard to replace, even with the top college talent that I'm rattling off in the big moment games. Against the best defenses. TCU wasn't that. But we, we've seen Bennett step up against Bama and others, too. He's one of the all-time clutch guys. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's no longer much of an underdog story because he's the big dog when it comes to these big moments and big yeah. games. And he's proven that time and time again. Carson Beck is the front runner to be the next quarterback for Georgia. He is set for the last three years behind Stetson Bennett. He's a redshirt junior, former five-star quarterback, uh, who was more of a traditional pocket passer. Who they tried to work in last year, but that's who the fans were calling for after the loss in the SEC championship game, right? So was, was it him or was it? Because I get their five-star quarterbacks mixed up. Obviously, they brought in um, JT Daniels, who yep. then left. Brock Vandergriff was another guy on the roster at one point who's a five-star, yeah. who I believe has since left but may still be buried <laughs> on that depth chart as a five-star guy. He's on the Bennett path. He's coming back. Beck, for his career, he's thrown over 400 yards. He completed 62%. Sorry, he threw for 98 yards and two touchdowns against Vandy this year mm. in a 55 to nothing blowout. That's the most extensive work he's ever seen. So he was the first guy to come in and play a lot in a blowout game against Vandy earlier this year. He is the front runner to win the job. What did Mattress Mac lose last night? 3.2, 3.1 million? Well, he lost 1 million. He, he, he was set to gain 3.2. It was 3 to 1. So he bet on TCU to win outright, I think was oh, the I, bet. Okay. So on the money line, they were like 3 to 1. So had they won, he was he was gonna win. I thought he put a million on them. I, I think he told us three, and he was gonna gain. He's gonna get nine or something back. Maybe, yeah, change, maybe it which was. Which is still three to one. If so, then yeah, he put over three million down. Does he even care? Three point one was what he lost. No, no, he made a clean ten plus on the Astros, seventy plus really on what he had to gain there with the the odds. Well, he's always making stuff back in his. I mean, he's just at the mattress store. Selling there he mattresses is. There he constantly. Is watching the game. Um, I mean, he looks he looks miserable, <laughs> and he also I mean he also knows no one no eyes are going to be on him for the national coverage. How quickly too? I love him just sipping water. How too. quickly 
did this broadcast just turn into let's just get to the end of the game and the trophy presentation? Herb Street and Fowler, you could tell they were just like, man, this is we going into halftime when they made it thirty-eight seven, and then you knew we had about an hour long halftime coming up. That was the longest it. it Longest halftime in the history of college football, just to get to the second half. Because they just want to get the game over with, because they know everyone's tuned out at that point. Ball game. 38-7 should have been the final. <laughs> and it was the halftime I, score. I, my cousin sent me a text and said, can they do a running clock in a national championship <laughs> game? Similar to a high school football game? Which would have been fitting last night. I'm sure ESPN would have loved that. that I watched the halftime. So would TCU, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see what they were going to say at halftime on set. I watched some of the McAfee cast which was very entertaining. Those guys just play well, so well off each other, chemistry-wise, timing-wise. Uh, it's really good. But I'll be honest, Hutton, when that second half kicked, I yeah. went to my DVR and watched the conclusion of George and Tammy oh. on uh, Showtime with Jessica Chastain and Michael Shannon as George Jones and Tammy Wynette. So that's, that's what I did for the second half of that game. I watched that misery. I, I tuned night. out. I completely tuned out and then went back and watched – Highlights of what was a continued thrashing by Georgia in the second half. Is it over yet? No, it wasn't. Still more points to be scored. 65-7, Georgia wins over TCU. Dan Dockich joins us around the corner. We will chat about this game, Georgia's dominance, get his thoughts on the coaching changes across the NFL, and much more. Dan Dockich with us next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Two of the best guests on the show today. John McClain joins us in an hour. And right now, we say hello to Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Mornings right here on Outkick and streaming at Outkick.com. And he joins us now to recap what was a beatdown of a national championship game, sipping the coffee because, I mean, the man never stops working. Dan, good afternoon. Hope all things are well. What a day. We had a beatdown last night. I heard you guys talking. I um, I turned on a really good, actually. I'm really <laughs> big into learning about Bernie, Bernie Madoff. Yeah. And there's a really good Netflix. This will be my fourth different documentary on Bernie Madoff. At halftime, I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> so my wife and I watched this documentary on Bernie Madoff. 
Uh, and then I went back, and it was 65 to 7. But, <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but I was sitting with uh, my stepson, Jared, and we had both foolishly bet TCU getting 14 points. And about two minutes in, he played college football, and he looks at me, and I looked at him. I go, we're screwed. <laughs> The, the size of Georgia was like a high school team to a Pop Warner team, the speed. It was a beatdown, good for Georgia, good for Kirby Smart, and I love that David Pollock with Ker- uh, Nick Saban sitting right there said, hey, look, Georgia's taking this bad boy over, and he ain't yeah. lying. Hey, so what do you think Saban was thinking, Dan, watching that game? Uh, truthfully, I- I'll tell you exactly what, what he was thinking. Uh, number one, uh, boy, I hate David Pollock. And number two, David Pollock is absolutely right. And how do I figure this out? And I guarantee you, I promise you, because he probably only saw one Georgia game, you know, in person all year, and that was his. Um, so he probably was making notes on what they have to do to win by scouting them in person. You don't get the scout in person. Uh, anymore. When I first started coaching, you drive up to Purdue or you go to Illinois and scout in person. You can't do that anymore. So I, I guarantee you he was working. I guarantee you he was like, all right, uh, we got to do this better, that better, whatever it is. Uh, but number one thing you better do better, and Nick Saban can do it, is you better recruit because that's some dudes on Georgia's team, man. Kirby's dominance, by the way, that's now two to two since Kirby left the, the staff. He's He's now had two titles compared to Saban's two titles. I just refuse to underestimate Stetson Bennett in anything ever again. I mean, if you told me right now that he becomes Drew Brees and he becomes an NFL Hall of Famer, I I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, the guy just gets it done no matter what. He's not going to be a high draft pick, but Dan, who's to say that he's not going to get on with the right system in the NFL and do something as an NFL quarterback? I mean, nothing would shock me at this point with this guy. You know, I, I said this earlier. I'm curious your guys' thoughts. So the camera goes like this. You see the line of scrimmage. You see both teams. Quarterback drops back. You see the ball in the air for a split second. I swear to God, this started when I was a little kid, and I watched Kenny Stabler against the Bears one year, and I'm like, man, every time he throws it, I think it's going to be complete. There are some guys that every time they throw it, you think are going to be complete. And what happens then is the ball's in the air, and then they cut you know, they show the ball and who's he, who he's throwing it to. And I swear to God, he throws it with as much zip as anybody. He puts it right where he needs to be. He can move around the pocket. I get that he's not prototypical, but I'll tell you this. I don't think Max Duggan is a NFL quarterback. He got a better arm than Max Duggan in terms of throwing balls that you need to throw. I'm totally with you on that. I, you tell me you're going to bet against Stetson Bennett. I say good luck. What what do you do today if you're a, a, a part of the TCU program? Uh, it's one of those where you can't sit around and feel sorry for yourself because you're playing in the national championship and no one expected it. But I opened the show by saying this, Dan. I feel like they'd have been better off losing a close, hard-fought game to Michigan than is subjecting America to that being your brand. Because let's face it, most people are going to remember that about this season and not all the close wins. When most of America tuned in, they lost 65-7 to seven in a national championship game. It's difficult to get over that. Uh, really difficult because um, all the goodwill from the previous game went away. Now, here's what I would say. I, I, I say this. I, I, I say that, look, you can't take away 
from what they did this year. You can't take away from the win over Michigan and how they beat Michigan. But to the average fan, TCU is going to be remembered for this. If I'm a member of the staff, I do what Nick Saban. I said Nick Saban was going to do. We're going to work today. If I was one of the players, I'll tell you what I'd be doing today. I'd be sitting because it's probably nice down in Fort Worth. I'd be sitting at a pool. I'd be drinking about a thousand beers. And if I had class, guess what? I'm going to I'm going to class a little bit buzzed. I don't care. <laughs> I'm hanging out. I am. I'm hanging out. I'm not. Hey, man, it's a long season, right? It's a grind, and you only get so many days. But if I'm a staff member, hey, man, I'm calling up, you know, Jimmy Joe Five Star and saying, look, I know we crapped the bed, but we got there. We can get there, and now we need you as an influx of talent to raise our level. I'm selling the hell out of it, but I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, You know what? You get there, man. You had that awesome win, and the way you did it, you kept punching Michigan in the nose. But this was like voting in Chicago, baby. This was over early and often. Dan Dockich with us on Outkick 360. He's the host of Don't At Me, which you can uh, catch weekday mornings right here at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, Dan, so Jeff Saturday is being included as one of the candidates for the full-time position in Indy. Chris Ballard is saying that he doesn't want to be defined by whatever decisions have been uh, made right now. He wants to be defined, I'm paraphrasing, by how he's going to turn things around and he loves hard work. Um, what do you make of what they're doing, given the fact that the reports are the Broncos are about to offer Harbaugh the job? Chris Bell is the worst general manager in, in, in uh, the NFL. I, I, nobody can tell me differently. He hired Josh McDaniels. McDaniels took a look. He said, screw it. People, I've said this for years because I know this. Uh, Andrew Luck didn't quit because of some magical injury. Andrew Luck quit because he got tired of the woke, soft culture. Andrew Luck, anybody will tell you, wanted to be coached hard. He looked at this and said, I'm not going to get killed here because we're never winning anything with Ballard and Pagano. Now, he leaves. They bring in – now they bring in Reich. They're looking at – they they drafted a guard six. They gave the highest paid not only guard but the offensive line – in the NFL, that's terrible. The evaluation, Ben Banigou over A.J. Brown, Paris Campbell over a number. Are you kidding me? It's a complete disaster. He's the worst general manager in the NFL, and he's full of crap. He's totally full of crap. He's scared to death, and he has said it, fellas. He has said, well, if I draft a quarterback, y'all going to run me out of town. I've told you this. It's the softest media market in the country. A bunch of babies here that kiss the backside of Chris Ballard, and he's worried about being tossed out of town. Now, all of a sudden, he's John Wayne. I don't back down from the. He's full of crap. He needs to go. Saturday needs to go back on Greenberg's show, whatever, get up, get down, get out, and just start <laughs> jumping around again like an idiot. Jeff, Jeff Saturday is a complete fool. He's been exposed as an I, 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 me. Here's the deal with Saturday. My brother, I said this this morning, and I really believe this. He's one of those fake religion guys. He uses religion as like a uh, kind of a crutch. My brother does deals, $250, $500 million deals, huge deals. And he always says this, when I go into a business meeting, not a church meeting, a business meeting, and the person that I'm talking to or meeting with starts with a prayer, he says, I get up, I hold my wallet, and I walk out backwards because they're thieves. 
My, Jeff Saturday is that exact guy. He needs to go back to get up. Ballard needs to go back to wherever the hell Ballard came from. And they need to wipe this slate clean. Six years we've had this idiot, Ballard. Six years we've listened to, well, you know, we can't grab the quarterback. Shut up. And the media right now is still kissing this idiot's backside. Nachos matter in Indiana, baby. Here's what happens. Ballard brings the media out. They have Pete's a true story and nachos, and they watch tape of the draft picks. Nachos matter here in Indiana, baby. These guys stink. I wouldn't buy a season ticket. I had season tickets for five years. I wouldn't buy a season ticket to that mess. In fact, Jimmy Ursay. <laughs> Jimmy Ursay gave me a football as a fan. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going out. True story. I'm throwing this in the lake behind my house. My ass, these guys. They suck. I want to report on how far it goes in the lake when you toss it. I want, I want to hear about the arm, man. With a cigar. And, yeah. And it's funny. You look, your thing about the uh, religion, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I have no problem with Christianity or religion. But I have the same method me that your brother does if I see a work truck that puts a cross on it. Or puts a Bible verse on it, and they're coming to your house trying to, you know, do something landscaping-wise. I'm like, if you're selling that first, I feel like something's off, and you're not selling the work you're going to do with me. I, I, I kind of have get the same sense that your brother does in those moments. Here's my question on the Colts organization. Same question I have with the Bidwell family. I have no faith they're going to get it right in Arizona because it's a terrible ownership group, and they're not strong enough to make the right decisions to get Arizona into a place where, I don't know, they can have a coach for more than six straight seasons, which they've never had in their 100-year history as a franchise. Is Jim Ursay strong enough and good enough as an owner to make the right decisions, to hire the right people, to rebuild this thing? He used to be, and then Jimmy Ursay became a social justice warrior. Jimmy Ursay, so you got to understand Ballard, right? Ballard goes up and he starts crying about white people and how bad white people are, and he gets tears in his eyes, and then he does some things on guns, and he mis misidentifies every gun he's talking about, and Jimmy Ursay loves that. There used to be in every guy's office a saying that Jimmy Ursay had, which was, nothing interferes with winning. Uh, Polian had it, Grigson had it, not Ballard. Why? Because nothing interferes with Frank Reich kneeling with the players uh, and, and, and being the only guy to kneel and all of our social justice. Hey, you can do all that stuff, and that's great, but when? But when? That's it. I, you know, look, let's be honest. Uh, in, in Frank Reich is the nicest guy in the world, right? He knelt, and all the players stood while he knelt on one knee. And guess what? First guy fired? Frank Reich. Look, they talk about relationships. They talk about all this crap. They're full of crap here in Indianapolis. Chris Ballard, for whatever the reason, is a survivor. Jimmy Irsay's trying to sell us this guy's a winner. He's 46, 53, and 1. And still doesn't have a left tackle, doesn't have a quarterback, doesn't have a wide receiver, doesn't have a number one cornerback. All, by the way, important position. So no chance in hell. Can Jimmy Ursay? Now listen to this. You won't believe this. Jimmy Ursay's daughters keep notes during the game and have a headset on. His daughters. This is the worst franchise in the NFL right now. I had a 35-year NFL veteran who travels with the team call me after they lost to Jacksonville, and he said, Dan, this is the after they lost to Jacksonville, second game of the year. 
He goes, I'm telling you right now, Jacksonville is so far beyond us, meaning Indianapolis, in terms of everything, culture, toughness. They got a new building going up, scheme, talent, and look what happened. Man, it, it's a mess here. Texans, uh, you're a mess. Tex, uh, Titans, you're never really a mess, but you're a bit of a mess. And Jacksonville's on the upswing. But we, to quote the great Carlos Zambrano of the Cubs, after a bad season, we stinks. Who's the best <laughs> candidate that they have put out that they're actually interested in talking to other than Jeff Saturday? I think the Nico Rines is a guy that people really like, I, I, I think. I think they're talking to both of the guys from Detroit. You know, and I don't know. Look, it, look it, it, this whole thing is nuts to me, right? All of a sudden, Detroit is where everybody wants to get a guy. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? You know, it, last year, Matt Eberflus, go, Matt Eberflus's team just craps the bed. He's the defensive coordinator of the Colts. But because there must be some – I think there is, actually. must be some hierarchy of who gets hired when. Eberflus takes the Bears' job. And uh, Eberflus is friends with my wife. They grew up together. I like Matt, but he's a horse bleep coach. So there's no surprise they go 3-11. and 11. Look, at the end of the day, the Colts will get it wrong. At the end of the day, uh, Ballard bought himself two years because, one, this coming year, apparently he's staying. He'll draft a the quarterback. They'll keep him there with a year on the quarterback. I'm telling you, in the world we live in, there are winners there are losers and there are survivors. And for five years, I've told Indianapolis, Ballard is a survivor. That's it. They'll get it wrong. I guarantee you. Dan Dockich is the host of Don't At Me. we got to talk a little college hoops. I want to start with Kentucky. I'm watching their game on Saturday against Alabama. And I just don't get it, Dan. I mean, they've got a veteran coach. We can poke holes in how good of an in-game coach John Calipari is, but... Oscar Shibway, Severe Wheeler, they've got veteran guys who should be stars in the SEC and mixed with five-star talent like they always have. And they can't do anything right now, getting blown out by Alabama in that game, barely beating LSU, who I don't think is that, that good at home. What do you make of what's going on at Kentucky? I See, whatever the stars are, I, I, I don't think they're very talented. Like, I watched them play twice. I called my buddy Seth Greenberg. I go, man. We're a long way at Kentucky from having Wall and Cousins and all these guys. The one thing I also think, and I've been hearing this, and you hate to spread rumors, but what the hell, it's just between the three of us. Uh, That's right. I think they got a lot of NIL problems. I think, they got, I think they're one of those teams. There's about three teams that I've heard in college basketball that are having internal NIL problems, meaning this guy's paid too much, these guys don't like it. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. And when you are, look, I don't, I, if you ever ran into the guys that actually, actually uh, rank players like Gary freaking Parrish, they don't know whether a basketball is stuffed or blown up. So I don't put the, I just watch and I'm watching these guys and I'm like, yeah, they ain't that good. Now Sheepway plays hard and he's making a ton of money. I just don't think they're that good, and I think they have an internal problem. Um, I think Alabama's that good, and I think the guy there, Nate Oates, ain't afraid to coach him, and Calipari isn't afraid to coach him, but I'm telling you, people, more than one person has told me they think they got an NIL problem at Kentucky. we got to go with what you're wearing on your shirt right now, your alma mater, Indiana, and what in the world is happening 
with that Indiana team so far this year, who, again, I, I'm watching and think they've got some decent talent, and there's something lacking, though, Dan. They have two of everything. They literally do. They, they are. John Calipari told me he's trying to get the Indiana series back, but he won't play them. He wouldn't play them this year. He goes, Indiana's too good. I go, I know. They got everybody back. Now, uh, they're soft as hell. I mean, we've got our star player, Trace Jackson Davis, putting out on social media hate mail from some fan who, by the way, wasn't wrong. Now, back in the day, when Indiana was considered tough, we used to read the hate mail in the locker room and laugh. I had, I had a dude throw eggs, a bunch of dudes throw eggs at my window in my apartment complex because I turned the ball over and it kind of cost us going to the Final Four. We just didn't clean it up. I had people take my grill and throw it off after a loss against Purdue. It comes with the territory. I got a guy, Ray Thompson, gets hurt on the court. It's not an AC, and he's bawling. He's bawling like, woohoo! Like, what are you doing? No, Indiana used to be the toughest place in the country. Indiana is now the softest place. Mike Woodson hasn't done a damn thing as a coach. He won't get off his ass and put any kind of offense in. He's got assistant coaches. I don't know where these got these guys from that would not know how to develop a player if that player was Michael Jordan. It's horrible. They're underachieving. And unless this staff gets off their backside and gets out of the sauna, they got to turn CNN off because that's all they do. They watch CNN go in the sauna, smoke cigars. It's a mess. They shouldn't be in the top 10 in the country. They're not. But I'm wearing my Indiana pride. But we got to stop whining about hate mail and stop crying on the court. You could have stabbed me in the throat, throat, and I ain't crying on the court and letting everybody see that. Anyway, that's my rant on Indiana hey, basketball. So you 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 contribute to a loss, and the first thing someone thinks of is we're going to get Dockage's grill, and we're throwing it yeah, off the balcony. Ne- that's next level. Yeah. Go after the I, grill. Yeah. I have a feeling, yeah. uh, win or lose. As an avid griller, Dan, that hits me where it hurts when I hear that story that based, someone went off the grill. Based on intoxication, I feel I like know. that grill was hitting the deck no matter what, win or lose. I- I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm just saying that it happened. We lost to Purdue. It was one of those, it was like an apartment complex that was like jail. You see a circular, there was a courtyard in the middle. So I think somebody just took it. But I know this, we were sitting there after we had lost to Virginia to go to the Sweet Six or to go to the Final Four. And I had turned the ball over with a couple minutes to go. Came back and hit a couple jump shots, but I digress. All of a sudden, we're sitting there and I hear boom. Boom, boom, and eggs are pelting <laughs> our window. <laughs> and I look, and I see a bunch of guys running out. It didn't stop us. We kept drinking beer and playing spades. We love to play spades. So <laughs> It's great. It's a true story. Hey. Swear to God, it's a true story. We need to get back to that era uh, at every college campus, apparently. Uh, yes. Yeah. Now, now you lose a game, they'll come over and grill for you because they yeah. feel sorry for you. Oh, at Indiana, here's what they do. Seriously, I got people saying, well, you know, the, the kids are really trying hard. Really? So at Indiana, <laughs> back in the day, we used to worry if we had to practice after a loss. These guys, this is a true story, these guys go to an event. Like some slap blank booster will have an event where they can make $200 if they show up after a freaking loss. <laughs> My son coaches at Illinois State. I was bringing his Christmas presents to him at Evansville this weekend. I go, hey, 
If you lose, I ain't giving you the Christmas presents because none of your players or your coach want to see you with Christmas presents after a loss. They won, so I gave them the presents. We got to go back to that era, boys. We got to go back to that era. Dan, we will be coming back to you uh, for another visit on on. I'll never mess with your grill, Dan, I promise. No we matter will, what you do or say, I'll never mess with your that's grill. That's right. We'll be chatting with you soon on Don't At Me. Thanks, fellas. And thanks for all you're doing for me on Don't At Me. You guys are awesome, man. Thank you. We love oh, coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, same here with you. Thank you. There's uh, Dan Dockage bringing it today. He's fired Don't up. Don't at him. I feel like we got an even heightened version of Dan this hour of the day. A little bit you later think? in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we hit on two topics. These, the Colts. He was ready to go. He yeah. was ready to go. <laughs> uh, coming up, a, a Christmas fair or foul for, I think it's a layup, but we'll see. We'll see where we are on this. And um, we've got headlines across the NFL, plus John McClain in about 30 minutes. All of that and more coming up on OutKick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 rolls on. So, according, uh, Colin Warner sends us some great, just non-sports-related articles, right? And studies. And do you believe that... He's a bit of a researcher. 41% of Americans still have Christmas decorations up? So when I think think about that percentage more and more, it does does surprise me. Now... (laughs) I was at church on Sunday, and I heard this for the first time ever. Never knew this. But the thought is, if you don't take your Christmas decorations down on Christmas night, this is from a church history standpoint. If you have your home decorated at all, you're supposed to leave it up until January 6th. That is epiphany. If you leave it up past January 6th, you're supposed to leave it up until Lent. (laughs) Lent starts, Hutton, on February 22nd. But, so this is more of an Eastern, I think, Christian ideology of how you schedule out the year in terms of decoration. But that's the first time I heard that. It sounds like it's now, just a lazy ideology. Let me, let, me give you, let me give you my answer. We started taking Christmas decorations down the moment we got back from Nebraska. <laughs> and we left the day after Christmas, so we couldn't do it the next day. We left at 5 a.m. But the moment we got back, Christmas decorations started going down. Here's what you do at the start of the year. You eliminate. You declutter. You get things set and clear for the next year and start taking things away. You don't leave decoration up. That's the last thing anyone should do. So here at Sixth and Peabody, they go all out with their Christmas decorations. And yesterday it started going yeah, down. Yesterday, yesterday they came in, uh, the staff yesterday morning started and took everything out. So that was January 9th. Uh, growing up, we, we would leave ours up until New Year's, you know, right after January 1st, January 2nd. But that was because, uh, you know, as kids, we had like a train set and everything else we wanted to keep up, right? And we were out of school. So we, you know, wanted to enjoy the Christmas break. I I think, you know, December 26th is a little bit extreme. I think having it down New Year's, right around January 1st is a good time to bring it down. That's a reasonable time. 
How many people in studio actually have Christmas decorations up? I know we're about to bring Davey in. So Colin does. Colin does as well. Anyone in the back? Uh, Brooks says yes. Brooks says yes. yes. Brooks no heathen. Matt, did you even have a tree? Of course he has you Christmas even... decorations. He did have a tree? Did not have a tree. Very smart. Very smart. By the way, they make these artificial trees is, now that are half. Hold on. Is Matt the, 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 waging war on Christmas in front of our very eyes? <laughs> uh, come on, Matt. Oh, nice wreath. Okay. That's uh, Matt. I'm with. I'm on your side, man. Is the wreath they, still up? Did you take it down? Uh, it's, still <laughs> it's a wreath, Matt. <laughs> Matt, it's a wreath. You can just remove it right now when you yeah. get home. It's not a lot. Not a lot of work. Uh, Davy, you you have your uh, Christmas tree up, but for uh, a de- I, I, I'm also on your side here. A decent reason. Yeah. So I didn't put the tree up. I'm not going to be the one to mm. take it down. So <laughs> I, I'm really. It's gonna be up all year. <laughs> I'm also like, I mean, this is also the first time I've lived at this residence, so I'm really just curious uh, to see how long this goes. Like, I'm one of those people. Like, I'll just sit back, I'll watch, and I'll see what happens. Are you in a nursing it's home? Like, <laughs> it's, a very, it's, a, it's a very odd setup, though, Dave, because you're you got a platonic male roommate situation. Correct. Right. There's, there's three of us. And uh, you, but like, do you put your own decorations up on the tree? You guys get no, together I, uh, and no. drink spiked eggnog no. and put your own childhood <laughs> decorations up. Or was up, it all him? Showed up uh, after leaving. <laughs> the studio one day and I was like, Oh, there's a tree. I was like, Oh, that's cool. And so, and now we just kind of wait and see. I did have, yeah. I used to have like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, you know, you could just sit on like the counter and that, that was it for me. But I'm not the type that's like going to go all out. My neighbors, I know for a primary complaint, I was complaining about the lights still being up. Those are finally down now. So I can, I can sleep in peace now. I think we all now know who the alpha is of Davy's house. It's that guy who put up his own Christmas decorations. Oh, I disagree. I think in it's the house Davey. And just Davey said, of the house. I'm, I'm going to do this. Some dude that lives with other guy just put up a Christmas tree. Yeah, but I mean, you know, maybe he's, look, he might like Home Alone, Hutton. He might like to have the, the Christmas spirit around him and have a tree up oh. at the same time. Kevin McAllister, with, with, ha- Kevin McAllister had a, I'm with a very large family. I'm not taking down some other dude's Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, he put it up. He's going to take it down whenever he wants. Did now, it bear gifts? <laughs> if it goes a little longer, Davey, I would remind him that that Christmas tree is still up, and he should take it down. I'd give another couple days. Fair point. It'll be up for a while. Established dominance, Davey. I'll keep you posted. If you're not the alpha now, become the alpha by telling him that damn tree's coming down right now. NFL head coaching openings next. <laughs>